Thank you, worship team. Good morning, High Point. My name is Femi. I'm one of the elders here, F-E-M-I, and uh, we'll be reading from Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 24. Um, This is found on page 1580 in your pew Bible. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted into the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord written for his people. Good morning. What a joy to see all of you in the house of the Lord this morning. I always learn new things from this church. You know, last year I said I learned how to wear jeans at the age of 43. (laughs) And this year 
about four months ago, I decided to lose some weight and look healthy like some of you. So I started dieting and doing some exercise. But you know how easy it is to start and how hard it is to stay on diet and exercise, right? So after a few weeks of doing exercise, I lost little weight and then put on more weight. <laughs> then I was uh, discouraged. My wife saw me discouraged, discouraged and then she said, oh, let me look at some encouraging post for you. So she found some Christian post um, uh, on the Facebook, which said like this, I was going to get in shape, but then I read Leviticus chapter 316, <laughs> where it says all the fat belongs to the Lord. And then someone replied, yeah, it does really say that. But the priest shall burn all the fat on the altar. Well, my message today comes from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sends out 72 disciples on a specific mission. Well, five months prior to sending these 72, in chapter 9, we see that Jesus sent out his 12 disciples on a similar mission to the lost sheep of Israel in Galilee. Now, when Jesus was making his final visit to Jerusalem, as his time was short, he needed more workers to go ahead of him and tell that the kingdom of God is near. So he sends out 72 disciples ahead of him down the Jordan Valley into the district of Peria so that they could carry the message of the kingdom before he goes there. But when he was about to send them, this is what he told them. You should pray for more workers. In other words, Jesus was telling them, the mission is not limited to 12 disciples. The mission is not limited to 72, but many more to come, which includes me and you. The 72 disciples that were sent were truly missional. They were intercultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual, and intergenerational. They were more of an ordinary people than you and me. And they did not spend 24-7 with Jesus like other 12 disciples. And some of them were Gentiles that they even did not know the Jewish theology or scriptures or tradition at all. But the reason God chose the 72 and sent them out into the field because of where their heart was. When sending them, Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, when Jesus was explaining to his disciples about the kingdom of God, he often used agricultural and architectural words so that they get the 
core meaning of what the kingdom of God looked like. When disciples heard the word harvest from the mouth of Jesus, they knew it means something because they always walked through the same fields every day. And they know when they hear that the harvest is there, that means it's a time of joy. But Jesus was telling them, yeah, I see your faces and I see smiling on your face when I say harvest. But here is the thing, there is a problem with the harvest. There is a plenty of harvest, but the laborers are few. So he was telling them, you need to understand harvest doesn't simply mean a time of joy, but it is also a time of urgency and a time of hard work not just a matter of joy. You can't feel the urgency until you recognize the spiritual need around you. Let me repeat that. You can't feel the urgency in your soul until you recognize the spiritual need around you. You know, we live in a world of deception. We live as if there is nothing happening in this world. It's like normal for us. Disciples did exactly the same. They saw everyday crowds, but never felt anything different. But when Jesus saw the same crowds, the Bible tells us that he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed, they were helpless, they were like a sheep without shepherd. Look at the perspective that Jesus had when he saw the crowds, the same crowds that disciples have been seeing for a long time. What does Jesus see which we fail to see in this world? Do you know how many people in the world have not tasted the love of Jesus Christ yet. There are 4.5 billion people in this world who do not know who Jesus Christ is. Even if they know who Jesus Christ is, they just think he was a man, a historical person. But they do not know that he is a divine being sent by God. Someone has to go and tell them, right? We have 500,000 villages in India which do not have a resident gospel worker yet. And we pride ourselves about our country being the Christian country, but out of 76% of general category of Christianity, 36% or less only go to church regularly and read the Bible. Do you know that? 8 out of 10 people who attend American church do not invite someone to the church. That means they do not share the gospel with others. We should have the eyes of Jesus to see the spiritual need around us. We should not just get up from our bed and feel like an everyday thing. Everything is normal. Every life is great. And we can just swing by and it's all just normal. No, we should have the eyes of Jesus to see the reality that is around us. You know, someone prayed, Lord, break my heart with the things that break your heart. 
when Jesus told them about the harvest and then telling them to see the spiritual need around them he told them a twofold strategy that is first he told them pray for more laborers when Jesus was sending the 72 he did not tell them go and recruit more people he did not tell them force more people into the harvest tell them lot of he did not say that he said to faithfully ask the Lord for additional workers so that he will not send but rush people into the harvest you know there there is no word send in Greek it's not apostelene it is actually ekbalen it's like throwing the ball in the court you never send the ball you never use the word send the ball you always say throw the ball so when Jesus was telling them he was telling them the urgency of the need of the harvest in Greek language it is like don't drive the patient to the clinic it is more of a serious problem just dial 911 that is the way he was telling them about the harvest we teach our kids in home when there is an emergency we should call 911 to save the lives there is an emergency right in our neighborhood that people are bleeding in their hearts there are people who are choked by the worldly pleasures there are people who are lost without shepherd they are like lost travelers without GPS internet like phone they were like wax statues they look so real but no life in them there is much of a serious problem you and I have to dial 911 say Lord we need someone to go there and someone to go and save these people you know there is more work than the 12 disciples can do there is enormous work in the world more than 70 people can accomplish there is more work than the high point can accomplish so we all have to join the mission of God to ask the Lord of the harvest for more or additional laborers you know we tend to pray for the salvation of China salvation of Nigeria it doesn't happen that way I don't know anywhere we were told to pray that way how can they hear the gospel unless someone is sent how can someone go there unless we pray to the Lord of the harvest to be sent there so we need to feel the urgency and pray for more laborers some of you know Hudson Taylor in 1830s when James and Amelia a godly Methodist family heard about the desperate need for missionaries in China they began to pray Lord please send more missionaries to China you know in 1832 when their son was born they were so joyful and prayed over him Lord please send our son to China that he may work for you right there but contrary to their prayer when Hudson Taylor was uh, growing up in his teens he ran away from church run away from truth and he doesn't want to follow Jesus Christ and also he was not physically well 
and he could not study well, so he was at home until he was 13. But parents did not stop. They continued praying for 17 long years until one day this young man finds a small tract which comes alive, alive to him, and then he realizes God is calling him back. And he repents and accepts Jesus Christ and quickly he feels he wanted to go to China. And at the age of 21, he ends up in China and he starts a mission called China Inland Mission, which changed the course of missionaries in that land. You know what? He did not even know that his parents prayed for him 21 years until he ended up there. Today, CIM, which is known by the name of OMF International, has sent more than 800 missionaries. Established 125 schools and won more than 18,000 souls for Christ. You know, in a few decades time, the largest Christian population will be found in China. That is the result of a couple's prayer. They asked God, send our son that he may work for you. When was the last time you prayed for more gospel workers to be sent to Pakistan? When was the last time you prayed for more workers to be sent to Iran, Indonesia, China, northern Nigeria, North Korea, Afghanistan? where it is so difficult to preach the gospel and practice their faith. When did you pray for more workers in your own neighborhood? When did you pray for more workers to be sent in your own office where you feel so much scared to begin a conversation about Jesus Christ? You know what happens when you don't pray for more missionaries to be sent? That means we are creating self-recruited, self-centered, apathetic, false preachers who will deny the power of God and lead people into deception. You know, there are some preachers that you don't like, right? You are the responsible for that. Because you haven't prayed. You know, I haven't. I always thought, yeah, we need salvation in India. I never thought I need to pray for more workers to be sent. So Jesus was telling them, you need to pray for more workers. And then he tells them, not only you respond in prayer, but you should respond in person. So he's telling, be a laborer yourself. So in order to be a laborer, you don't have to become a pastor. You don't have to become an evangelist. You don't have to become a deacon. You don't have to become a career missionary. If you are not gifted in any of these ministry offices, you, it doesn't mean you are free from the responsibility of sharing the gospel with others either. His true disciples are disciples, disciple makers for him. So think about how true you are to Jesus as a disciple. You can be an everyday missionary 
right where you are. You know, you are uniquely placed in your own situation and uniquely designed for his purpose. You don't have to plan too much as to what to say, how to talk, how to begin, all that. All that you need is obedience to his call and he will take care of all that you need to talk to those people about Jesus. You know, many times I myself not comfortable to talk to strangers because when they walk by they always see me as a tree standing there they don't even mind me and sometimes I I don't even care when people pass by me but immediately the Lord drops a filter right in front of my eyes the filter of eternity when I see them through the filter of eternity, immediately I am restless. I really wanted to go and talk to them about Jesus Christ. Nothing will hold me back from talking to them, whether it is in Coles, Walmart, or shopping malls, or even in, in doctor's office. I will not leave the office without talking to, talking to them about Jesus Christ. You know, I haven't even left my neighbors. I went and talked to them about Jesus and they're not willing to be my friends. That's okay. I'm going to be gone from this country next two years. <laughs> but all that I wanted to see is that they are up there in heaven when I get there from India. That is my goal. You know, I grew up in a Christian home where I saw my dad going from house to house and preaching the gospel, talking about Jesus. And I saw my dad when he used to go to grocery, buy groceries on a bicycle, he always had time to stop where people are and talk about Jesus. He used to ask them, have you accepted Jesus Christ? Have you repented of our sins? Sometimes they did not understand what he was saying. But he continued to ask those questions and they began to counter ask what does it mean you know sometimes he was rejected but he never complained you know when i was a, a missionary in himachal pradesh up north of india one day i saw a house on a hill very far so i decided to go there no no roads nothing so i walked three and a half hours to reach that house so on the way you know i did not even find water to drink and there were troops of monkeys which threatened me all the way. But I went there and I had gospel tracts in my hand and I went to the head of the household and I told him, Uncle, I have a message for you from Jesus Christ. And he asked, Who? I said, Jesus Christ. He said, I don't know him and I don't have time. Then I said, Uncle, can you take these gospel tracts, give it to your grandchildren, would you please ask them to read it louder in front of you? Then he said, I can do that. So I left the gospel tracts and I walked back, not three and a half hours, I walked three hours because it's a slope, so it doesn't take a long time. <laughs> but I was discouraged, disappointed that my whole day was wasted. But three years later, when I went there, I found a Christian community worshiping the Lord, including that same family. Hallelujah. God honored my faith, my commitment to go from house to house. 
You know, unfortunately, going for door-to-door evangelism is outdated or a hard thing in this country. Some of you are already thinking, yeah, that happens only in India, this country. It doesn't happen in this country, right? Sometimes interrupting people's time and privacy for sharing the gospel is seen as disrespectful, unsocial, and unorganized. Being passionate about Jesus Christ is misinterpreted as religious fanaticism. It is biblical, my friends. Why are we so much scared and get lost in the philosophies of this world? Jehovah's Witnesses still do door-to-door evangelism in many parts of this country. Do you know that? And I have seen Mormon brothers distributing literature in the malls. Recently, in a Madison market, we saw a cultic church vigorously promoting about their faith. Why are we afraid of representing true king before others? Why can't we be so intentional in our conversation about Jesus Christ wherever we are? Sometimes we take the excuses that, yo, I don't know how to do that. There is a best manual available right there in the New Testament, Gospel of John, chapter 4, where Jesus talks to this woman. Can you give me water to drink? Just a simple question. And the water conversation ends up with the worship conversation. And as a result, what happens? Many Samaritans put their trust on Jesus. When the Lord gives you a sense of urgency or inspiration to share the gospel with your friend, do not delay because you do not know what happens to you or to your friend tomorrow. Today is the day. Do not delay. So pray for more laborers and be a laborer. Let's move on. The second lesson we learn from this text is, as you go, receive the power and authority to represent him. Verse 9, verse 3, and verse 19. So when Jesus sends you, he sends you with power and authority, whether you know it or not. That is the assurance we have. So this is what he did when he sent his uh, 72 disciples. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Verse 9, he tells, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. We carefully observe this text. He's telling them, I'm sending you as what? Lambs. You know, prime, you know, five months prior to sending these 72, he actually sent his 12 disciples, but he told them, I'm sending you as sheep among the wolves. You know that? That's a difference. He said, I'm sending you as sheep to the 12, and now he's telling to the 72, I'm sending you as lambs. So what's the difference between sheep and the lambs? Sheep are grown, and the lambs are baby lambs. They don't know anything in an event of attack. When a wolf comes 
and you know a, a, a lamb may not be able to escape it means it doesn't have maturity or it doesn't have tricks to escape or it doesn't have strength they are more vulnerable weaker than the sheep and in verse 21 jesus is comparing the 72 with the state of infancy means they are infants means he's comparing them as lambs and infants can you imagine you send your infant with a great message to walmart ask him to go get some medicine for you and if they ask counter questions what's the date of birth can you tell me your address and the kid will run away from there right that is what exactly you think about the picture he was sending them as lambs and as infants but remember He's telling them, I am the one who is sending you. You go as lambs, I am the great shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I will watch your back. Go in the strength that I give you. Now the lambs are with authority and power to pull down the powers of darkness. And the lambs are with power to heal the sick. The lambs have power to communicate the message so powerfully to their neighborhoods. Now sometimes we are scared. Oh, power means I should have a healing power. Oh, when sickness is there, I cannot really heal because they will come and ask, oh, say, I don't feel good after you prayed and then it is embarrassment. Sickness doesn't have to be often physical. People are sick with various issues in life. All that Jesus is telling you to attend the needs of the people by revealing God's power and showing them where it comes from. That's it. People have mental problems. People have addictions. People need love. Just go and tell them, this is what Jesus is telling you. He has it in full. And give that love to them. That's what you could just do. You should not listen to the lies of Satan that you are not fully equipped to present the gospel. You should not worry too much as to what to say, how to say, where to begin. And you should not be scared whether your response will be adequate or not. Simply give yourself to God's call and the Lord will do the rest. You know, God has given you the power and authority whether you felt it or not. It is not something that you feel in a vacuum. Peter did not know that he had power to walk on the water until he stepped out of the boat. These 72 lambs that went with power and authority did not know that they could cast out demons until they tried it. And you will not know you have the power for evangelism and ministry until you try it. And the third lesson that we glean from the text is rely on God in every situation. When Jesus sent out the 72, he told them not to take extra stuff like sandals, purse, or bag that was used on those days to bag food. 
I heard many preachers say that Jesus was, Jesus was telling them to travel light so that they can travel more. We do not know how long they have spent in the field or how far they have gone. But some scholars think Jesus sent them in the summer and then they came back to Jesus after accomplishing the mission um, in the month of September during the Feast of Tabernacles. That means it's uh, about two to three months of field work. And then Jesus is telling them, just take one pair. That means just for one day or two days. What about the rest of the days? He's not saying to them that you don't need, but he's saying to them that you need to depend on me for your daily needs. That's what he's trying to tell them. You need to depend for all that you wanted, and I wanted to show what I can do for you. You know, 24 years ago, along with six other seminary students, I went on an evangelistic outreach bicycle tour to reach two South Indian states. And we wanted to cover 950 miles in 42 days with the goal to reach 1,000 people for Christ. And we needed at least $3,000 for buying the bicycles, for I mean, food for the next few days. You know, two months we planned and we knocked the door of every mission organization in that area, asking them for funds. And finally we got some money which was just enough for buying seven bicycles and little extra cash of $18, one eight. That's it. We were so discouraged and we were about to cancel the tour. That time I felt I should go and talk to one of the professors. So I went to the professor and I told, hey, we have been planning and uh, praying for two months and then this is what happened. We just have the bicycles, but we don't know how we can feed ourselves. We are going to ride 950 miles. We were not going for losing weight, by the way. <laughs> I was already skinny on those days, but people were afraid that I may lose some of my bones while I'm riding the bicycle. That is the way I was. Then this professor, when I told him that uh, we might cancel because we did not get anything and that God might not want us to do this. If God wants to do it, he would have provided, you know, our logic. We always have a great logic to escape the responsibility. We are very good at that, right? That's what we did. We said, yeah, maybe God does not want us to go. That's why he did not provide the money. That is simple. Then, you know, this professor said, Manohar, that's not right. God wants you to trust for your needs. He's not asking you to stop, but he's asking you to start by faith that he may provide. So we had $18 in our pocket and we started our journey the following day. And then we had breakfast on the way. Half of our money was gone because we were riding and eating a lot of food. And one of our tires was blasted, not punctured. We had to replace the tires. So by the, by the evening, we lost all the money we had. So we went to one church, and then that church, without uh, us mentioning to them our need, they gave money which was needed for the following day. And then the money they gave 
for the following day was sufficient for that day and then we went to another church to rest there that evening and we got money for the other day so we, we tried kind of uh, going from one place to another God was providing every day and we were rejoicing and we were trusting God more and more for that and we completed 950 miles so successfully and when we came back we looked at the statistics the whole data and uh, we planned for reaching thousand souls but we actually reached 1200 souls for Christ and then we counted the cash left with us we had a balance of 800 sorry 586 dollars we went with what 18 and we had a balance of 586 dollars which we used for our following semester so your ministry should reflect the qualities of faith, commitment, and sacrifice. Don't look for comfort in your ministry. If you're willing to sacrifice, and the Lord is willing to give up so many things for you. You know, his ministry may cost you money, reputation, comfort, even family. If you're doing his work, he will take care of every need just on time. Just on time. So do not be caught up with the things of the world in your ministry. Give priority to the spiritual needs and God will provide for all other needs that you needed. Finally, rejoice in your salvation, not in your ministry success or achievements. There is a, also a danger side when we obey God's call. You know, when the disciples completed their mission and came back to Jesus with overflowing joy, we could see, I mean, Jesus could see their faces like Alexander the Great, you know, like literally, they were kind of proud, you know. There is no greater joy for them than seeing the powerful demons obey at the name of Jesus. So they exclaimed before Jesus saying, Jesus, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow, can you imagine the lambs go and pull down the power of demons? Then Jesus tells to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemies look here to overcome all the power not partial all the power and then he says nothing will harm you in other words he's saying the power you had was not yours it is mine ultimately the power should point you to me you know, it's not bad to rejoice in the power and authority God has given to you. But if you are too busy in rejoicing in your spiritual authority of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of communication, gift of wisdom, gift of preaching, gift of evangelism, you may get sidetracked. Sometimes pride and self-confidence may creep into your life and steal the real joy of salvation. That is what he's trying to emphasize. You should, you should realize that Salvation is more important than the inexpressible joy we receive or experience elsewhere. You know, this year's theme 
is what? Fighting for? Joy. What are we fighting for? What kind of joy are we fighting for in our walk of faith and ministry? Are we looking for a joy for a wrong reason or for a wrong thing? Jesus tells them, rejoice that your names may be written in the book of life, not on the earthly social media. I always wanted to die as an unsung hero because I know I have seen the failures that happen with the success in ministry, the failures that happen with the fame in ministry, the failure that pulls you down with the authority that you have, whether it is in terms of healing or in terms of prophecy or in terms of preaching. So you are invited into the harvest today to recognize the need around you, to receive the power to go as lambs and to rely on God as you try to reach the world around you and rejoice in the Lord as you experience victory over the power of darkness. I pray that you will go out as lambs with power into your neighborhoods, into your offices, into colleges and universities and become everyday missionary for the Lord. Amen. Shall we all pray? Father, we thank you for reminding us that you have called us to pray for more laborers and to go as laborers and to go with power and authority that you give to us and to rely on you for every situation so that we will rejoice in the salvation that you not only give to us but to everyone on earth. God, would you please open our eyes to see the spiritual reality around us so that we will not, we will not pass by our neighbor in our office, in the shopping malls, or wherever we come across someone who is struggling, looks real, but no life in them. God, anoint us today that one day we'll come back and say to you, yes, Lord, we obeyed your call and we see the results. Father, send us, Lord, with that assurance. In Jesus' name we pray. We are going to